The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Welcome back to the end of another week here on The Brandon Peters Show. And, of course, that means it's time to close out with a song where we talk a music video that this summer is a part of. The summer of 82 at 40. And returning for his third round here, I'm always happy to have from the Halloweenies, Windy City Double Features Podcast, Cheap Tracks, Music Box of Horrors Drive-In, uh, Rock Island Public House, everything and anything. It's Mike Vanderbilt. Hello, Brandon. Thank you for having me back. Very, very, very excited about tonight's pick. Tonight's pick was just caught up in you. Uh, The first number one Billboard chart-topping single from 38 Special, uh, the lead single from their fifth album, Special Forces. They charted all singles on this album, including Back on Track, Chain Lightning, and You Keep Running Away. 38 Special is a band created by the little brother of Leonard Skinner founder Ronnie Van Zant, Donnie. So you're a big 38 Special fan. I am, but in that same breath, I want to say I think they are one of the perfect greatest hits bands. Yeah, like, yeah. I I think their 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 hits, their singles, that's uh, that's all. I don't want to say it's all you really need. Their albums do have some gems on them. Mm-hmm. But I think you can get away with it, and you can get the best, truly get the best of this band out of there. And so, what I really love about Thirty Eight Special is if you look at their history. So, as you said, it's Donnie Van Zant, the mm-hmm. younger brother, or Ronnie Van Zant, the younger brother of Donnie Van Zant. Of did I get that? Mac? No, Donnie's the little one. Yeah, Donnie's a little. Donnie's a little guy. Looks just like him too. Just so, like the Wahlbergs. Donnie's the little one. You know, they're out there in the seventies, and they're doing this southern rock thing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they see it coming. They see that times are changing and that Southern rock is out of vogue, that kind of swampy, you know, more blues based stuff and more angular pop rock in the, in the vein of cheap trick and the cars and the knack and all that power pop and new wave and punk stuff. Coming out. So they, they, they alter their sound just a little bit. So by their third album, you get their, uh, I don't even, I, no, I'm, I'm lost now. So you get to their third <laughs> album, and they decide to use more power chords, more fifths, and kind of uh, you know put a little bit more of a pop sheen on that sound. And that's where they start getting noticed. Mm-hmm. People like and, people like the catchy stuff. And uh, let's see. So there's a big time Chicago connection on mm-hmm. hold hold on loosely too. In so that okay, was so a, that was their next biggest hit after this one, right? Or is hold on loosely before this? Hold on loosely is just before this. So, just okay. Before, okay, that's right. So this okay. is their fifth album, comes out May 4th, 82, right? And so it's written by Don Barnes, a singer, lead guitarist, Jeff Carlisi. But they had some they had some ringers in there with them. They've got Frankie Sullivan and Chicago pop Smith Jim Jim Peter. I don't know how are you how familiar are you with these guys, 
Brandon. Not too familiar. So these guys were founding members of Survivor, which they started oh, in 1978. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, I just recorded well, a Tim Survivor Peter, episode. Like not everybody knows, not everybody knows that name, but you know, because they wrote stuff. songs for each other, right? He wrote, he, he's, he's, he's just one of those guys. He's got an, I think it's this intersect Jim Peterick, especially like, uh, I don't want to, you know, discount Frankie Sullivan's, uh, contributions to song, mm-hmm. but Jim Peterick, he is that perfect blend of, I think just born in pure talent and hard work. Like, I think he's just a talented songwriter. I think he's just got that knack. But the reason he's so good at it is because he does it every fucking day. It's the same thing I say about Prince, who I believe had pure mm-hmm. talent, but he also treated playing music like his job. Because these, like, Jim Peter writes I Had a Tiger. He writes Burning mm-hmm. Heart. Tiger would be released later that May. So this is, like, pre-I Had a Tiger. Like, Jim Peter mm-hmm. really has, I mean, he has, what does he have? He has, and none of his uh, Towards the 80s, you started to get his vibe as a songwriter, but this is the same guy that wrote, you know, Vehicle for the Ides of March. He was in the Ides of March. Mm-hmm. So he, he just has that, which is something I'm impressed with in a songwriter, that innate, like, intangible thing to know when things, something's a hit and when something isn't. Because these guys had worked with the band before, because Peter X. Sullivan and Gary Smith wrote 38 Special's first big hit, which was Rockin' Into the Night. So that's sort of the 79 album of the same name. Uh, and that's the album where they, that's the one. That's the album uh, Rockin' in the Night is where they found the band taking that more of arena rock sound over gotcha. the Southern rock sound. And and it was produced by... So then we have Hold On Loosely, which uh, they worked on together, Rockin' in the Night. And then uh, Peterick wrote the sequel to this one, too. You Keep Running Away, alongside okay. Barnes and Carlisi. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, 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 I got all I got all my notes mixed up on that one. It was all just, good. There's so much, but I, I I just love the shift that these guys make. Yeah. And that it works out well for them because these are pop fucking juggernauts. Every one of these hits. Like we were talking about a couple weeks ago on you're talking about with heat of the moment, how the verse maybe is bigger than the chorus on that one. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this one, like the verses are great. And then the choruses are even better. Like this is the kind of stuff you can instantly sing along to. And that's that intangible touch that Jim Peterick, I believe, brings to these songs. Yeah. And the one where, I mean, Cop and You is just brilliant. Like it, it's like, it doesn't get better than this. Like this is and, perfection. <laughs> one of my favorite things about Peterick is like, he's, I don't know, he's in his seventies now and he still cruises around. He lives up in Oak Park in the suburb of Chicago. And he still cruises around with his purple hair in his porch. <laughs> It's like a, it's like a 70 something Porsche or a 60 right. Porsche that I he always, he'll tell you in an interview, like, you know, if you do, if you talk to him that I had a tiger paid for that Porsche and he still got it. But still, I believe like, it. That song was this, huge. This weird looking little rock and roll guy with purple hair who just lives in the suburbs of Chicago and just makes money writing songs for people. Uh, just uh, a really fucking cool dude. If, if it wasn't for t- technically uh, I had the tigers, the biggest song of 82, uh, but because it's the one that was released in 82, but the one that charted best, sold most copies in 82, was physical. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah. It was this just is- a juggernaut. It was a juggernaut. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't yeah. get pop juggernauts like physical anymore where no. everybody knows it 
and you know it's decided defi- divided 50 50 versus loving it and hating it right 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 yeah and everybody I- at least has an opinion on it like most times with pop music now and it also probably has to do with my advanced age at this point where i don't even like somebody will mention a song and i just i have no idea what it even sounds like mm-hmm. or what the singer looks like who does it right no you you yeah you you know that what no i don't no i don't you play it i'm like I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure. Like, <laughs> or, or I'll be like, yeah, this sounds like an Elvis Costello tune. Like that's what <laughs> happened with Olivia Rodrigo when they're playing for me the one tune she does. I'm like, yeah, this mm. is Pump It Up by Elvis Costello. <laughs> it's like <laughs> nothing new under the sun, right? So gotcha, let's, talk yeah. about this, let's talk about this video a little bit because this goes back to one of my favorite <laughs> things about music videos where it intersects footage of the band just yep. playing, which I right. love, mm-hmm. with a story. Yes. And... This has that I there is a I cannot define or put into words, but I'm going to try the quality. There's a there's a I don't know if they're using cheaper film stock or maybe I think it's video. I think they're shooting. They could just be shooting these. I think it's video that they're shooting these on. Mm -hmm. But there's a certain look to early 80s videos. Right. That these have. And it's it, it. I think it's just the videotape that they're using. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you can yeah. you describe to our listeners what it looks like? How like, maybe it's, it's like not, pornography. I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it, right? Right, yeah. It's it's not quite soap opera motion or B- ah, see, B- now you're BBC like. Yeah. But it's almost there. Like it's a, it's it's almost like they shot on film and then mastered on video or something that's, like that. It's almost sharp. Looks and, like uh, that, yeah. What I like about it, looking back at it now, like back then it was probably just due to budget, but it gives an uncanny valley kind of out of time feel mm-hmm. in the proceedings in this one. Yeah. Uh, now, I couldn't find a director for this one. No, I uh, shot both this and the other one, I believe. Um, they was uh, filmed in Atlanta, two-day shoot followed directly by another two-day shoot for uh, You Keep On Running. Yeah, and I love the uh, Internet Movie Database does have a description of the music video. <laughs> a shy man sees an alluring blonde in a crowded nightclub, but it is but is frequently thwarted in his attempts to connect with her. And it's shot in this big club in Atlanta, so they're essentially at a 38 special concert. But it doesn't look like a club. It looks more like a dive bar. It's like it's almost there with the, uh, the urban cowboy type thing, where it's yeah. like, tonight we got a concert, then on Wednesday there's line dancing, um, uh, tri- trivia is on Thursday, <laughs> yeah. and don't forget that Monday is ladies' night. It's like a little too bit too big to just be a bar. There's like other stuff. Well, to yeah, it. because the, the stage that the band is playing on is like huge. Like it's like yeah. a small club stage. Like it, like in Chicago, it looks like they're at least playing like the Vic or the Riv. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and- know, every step you take, you're crunching peanut shells in this place. Like you just, I can feel it. I can smell this bar and yes. I love it. Yeah, is, that's what I love. I love, yeah. This is my kind of this is my kind of hangout. Like indeed. Now we talk about the alluring blonde. We gotta talk about oh. her. This is mm-hmm. the debut, the film debut or video debut mm-hmm. of April 1980 Playboy cover girl, Sherry Shattuck. Yep. And who uh, was a soap opera star, lots of TV. She gets a life pass for being a guest on head of the class. Um she had a recurring character on Dallas, too. Yeah, she did nighttime soaps, daytime soaps. She's on On Deadly Ground with Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. I think she's a writer now. I think she does. She has she books, writes, yeah. Like, she uh, she is thrillers. our only connection to any production stuff on this video, because I found an interview with her. Did you find uh, that I, one? I read that interview, too. And it's actually like, 
it's it's an interesting and you can tell she's kind of like over it. Uh, also, I think the interviewer maybe uh, the interview is a bit repetitive on the questioning. Yeah. And all I'm right, like, you noticed that as well because yeah. you're a pro. Because like it's like, hey, what what do you think about working with Cheap Trick? I don't remember much about them. Okay, or not Cheap Trick, uh, Thirty Eight Special. Uh, I don't remember much about them. Cheap Trick what were they definitely... like when you were on set? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Right. Well, the funny thing about like, I do like one thing I like about the, that interview, which is notable, is that. Like she talks about how difficult it is to get the the band to the set. Yeah. And it's probably because as we talked about, I think in the Ebony and Ivory episode about how a lot of these rock, particularly rock bands did not want to do music videos. Yeah. They felt that it was beneath them, that it was a passing fad, you know, let the music speak for itself. I know the Go-Go's hated doing videos. Like I know that. It's interesting that 38 Special will be doing this at this point because Hold On Lucy had a video shot Mm -hmm. for it. And I wouldn't say that had to have had an effect on the success of that song, even though it's not that video is simply just the band playing. Right. Yeah. I, I will say something that's notable about 38 special, like their look in this video, like despite the fact that they have adopted this more arena rock sound, they haven't adopted the arena rock look just yet. No, which they will do because Barnes still has like the real long, like frizzy Southern rock hair. And he keeps that long hair throughout his career. But like towards the eighties, they start dressing I don't want to say new wavy, but it's definitely a new wave inspired style that they put them less country, more well, rock less, and roll. Less like a Skinner tribute band and more like their own, well, more like the music of that, that time. More like, the uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this bar is what. Like they started putting them in sport coats and shit and like, oh. you know, and rolled up sleeves. Uh, like I'll send this to you later. Like this is like this great picture of like they tried like they really tried to eighties them up. And you guys think about I, putting product in your hair? Yeah, and I <laughs> but I see stuff like that. I always wonder, uh, is that the band trying to you know as they used to say on the Yacht Rock podcast, snake charm? You know, trying yeah. to keep themselves relevant, or is that the label? Is that the label saying, "Hey, you guys, you need to ditch the fucking cowboy hats." Well, didn't Bon Jovi did that like overnight back in the '90s once Nirvana hit? Like, we need to get the fuck out of this phase right now. Boom, short hair. Um, and Metallica. Remember what a big deal it was when they oh, they cut their hair, hair. Oh. and they were on. I think it was on the cover of Spin when they did Load and Reload. Yep, right? Load and Reload is the new Metallica. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this, I love Thirty Eight Special. Like this, this is everything I like in a rock band. You got big hooks. Uh, Don Barnes is a fucking hell of a singer, like I, I think. And you know, you got the three guitar players. Like mm-hmm. this is just this is just fucking top notch. You get two, you get two sweaty, beefy guys arm wrestling in this place. Like it's got everything. It's got a, it's got an arcade, pool, uh, total white people dancing going on. Um, <laughs> and oh. I noticed this, the Budweiser is flowing in this place. It is all. It is not a turn label. It is all like Budweiser cans, bottles. Um, they might, you know. So there's a certain authenticity. Yeah, the little girl they're caught up in might just be called a can of Bud or be a can of Bud or something. But, um, uh, yeah. Shattuck, Shattuck, fucking Stone Cold Fox. Oh yeah. I don't. Oh. I don't think I need to like reiterate that, but I should. But I do love when restaurants have the classic uh, red and white tablecloths yes like if i opened up a restaurant i would have the classic red and white tablecloths because i think that's such a distinctive old school thing that you well and you, you like you like the old Italian, school pizza place type look you, you know still like yeah see it 
mm-hmm. those kinds of places. But just to have it in your average bar, I think there's something very charming about that. Yeah, no, uh, the checker. Yeah, I like that. Um, you also have a classic stereotype trope. You have the guy with the trucker hat, the suspenders, and the big glasses with the beard. Like, and I like him. He's, he's, the comic relief. He just keeps drinking and keeps drinking and yeah. keeps drinking and keeps drinking, and then he falls over. Right. So uh, the video we have this Rick Springfield looking dude uh, wants to dance with this girl. She goes dance with someone else, but like the end of the night, she selects him by flashing her hotel key at him, which unbeknownst to me was a cliffhanger. It was a cliffhanger. It led to the sequel for You Keep Running Away, which was co-written by Jim Peterick. Boom. Which Did you watch that video? Yes, I did. Yeah, because uh, I, f- I was like, Mike, we have a sequel. I, I, you know what? I, I've never actually, as, you know, as much as I love 38 Special, I was not aware of this one. Yeah. And I remember in the interview, Shattuck says that she liked this one a little bit more because it's a little bit more cinematic. And it is. Yeah. Uh, but The song's not quite as good. It's not quite as, uh, the hook's not quite, it's good. The hook's The good. stylishness okay. works better. But and I the like idea, the mo- yeah. I like the moodiness of this video. This video is very. This one feels like an '80s music video. Yeah, oh yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. With its use of smoke and light and neon, uh, and you know, it 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 features you know sleazy motels, which is yeah, my favorite thing next to sleazy bars. Yeah, well, we get another bar in it, and Thirty Eight Specials playing at that bar too. So I'm like, is she some like? Grateful Dead follower, but with 38 special. Is that what I think? They're just, I think they're the only band that plays in this town. Yeah. That's why she gets on the bus. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> yeah you know what? <laughs> I'm tired of fucking watching 38 special. Yeah. Oh, my God. yeah. That is funny. Um, but, but yeah, I will say the opening. You want to talk about like the male gaze. Like mm-hmm. the opening of this video is just her in her panties in the bedroom, putting on makeup. And it's like all shot from a low angle, just focusing on the goods. It was truly a one night stand. The whole deal. (laughs) It's like, it's like someone asked what happened. What happens after the couple hooks up in the music video? What happens after? (laughs) But before that was ever a thing. Tour's vision here. (laughs) Yes. yes. The bottle of Jack Daniels on top of the television. Yeah, I'd say it feels like it's directed by two different people, but I, I think she mentioned in that interview it was the same crew and everything. I have to be over. because if they were shooting it the next day, it's got to be. And that's how, like, a lot of times with music videos, uh, become part of like an album promotion. So you do your album, you do photo shoots, and then you go shoot like three music videos, two maybe three, and especially then back you think then about where, it later. Especially back then, where there was less, I want to say, artistry in the music video, where a lot of it would be just the band playing in a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at that run of videos from Cheap Trick in 82 on 101, it's the same set. They just yeah. they just light it a little bit differently. Right. And they put the band in different clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean, it was what they do like cuz yeah, they wouldn't even know what they're shooting would become a thing cuz they, they the next thing is get out of here, go on your tour. We'll we'll play these around yeah. and Yeah, they said that she Shattuck said that the band was probably on edge because they were just getting done with their tour and they were probably feeling rather rambunctious. And she did mention there was a lot of drinking done on the set by the band, which yeah. I, I I don't believe anybody does anything better drunk. I, uh, <laughs> I I I've been on you know short film shoots where everybody's walking around with a beer and 
You know, I maybe thought that was cool at one time in my life, but if I was ever going to do it again, like, no, man, like, you don't, the beer, I don't like medicating with liquor. I like to mm-hmm. use it as more of a reward. Like, yeah. I don't like yeah. to drink when I'm feeling bad or like if I've had a rough shift, I like to have a beer after I've had a good shift. Yeah. A, a tendon bar where you're sitting on like, it, it just tastes that much better. Yeah. Or like, you know, we just, you, not in the sense of like it's bad, but like if you just had like this heavy week and you you finally got through it and crushed it, and you're like, we got through that. That's a good kind of reward. That's, yeah, too. that's it's the reward. It's yeah. not the medication. Like, oh my god, everything. Which I know some people do, and I yeah. know I, I I have this. I've I've been I've talked about this a couple times lately on different podcasts where you know when I'm starting a bartending shift, and if I come in and it's already stressful for one reason or another, you know the transfer of money or whatever mm-hmm. something happens, and I. Hey, Ashley, my, you know, my bartending partner, come over and do this shot of Malort with me. And it's like, you feel better. And it's like, I'm totally using this like a Xanax right now. And it <laughs> makes you, it makes you kind of say, okay, I don't, you don't want to become too reliant on that. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know. That's where you start to form what we commonly call in the industry a problem. A problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. Like I, I could, at my work stuff like uh like sometimes we go we'll go out to eat for lunch or something and like we'll get a beer and that'll that'd be like a nice refreshing thing to and then send you back on to work like i'm a big fan of the lunch beer just just one (laughs) my dad when my dad talks about like you know in the 70s when he was working at the phone company it was nothing to go out to lunch on friday you know friday at noon friday Mm -hmm. at one and never come back and i'd tell him well, what about the bosses? He goes, they were out there with you. Like yeah. it wasn't, it was, it was a different time. Right. If, if the work was done for the day, bye. There's none of that. Well, you need to stay here and fill out your hours or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. Different times, different uh, times, better times. I'll tell time. you what, I would party in uh, this bar. In yeah. the caught up in you video. And I've never actually th- seen 38 special live, but I know they play Sturges every year. They're a big Sturges band. Okay. Like they do still like, despite kind of having that arena rock sound, they do attract that. They still do attract that biker crowd. Gotcha. And I somehow I've never seen them and Cheap Trick. I don't think Cheap Trick and them ever ever really done like a sort of. But they both bands that do kind of intersect on the the corn dog circuit Mm -hmm. every once in a while. But I don't. I'd be very excited. Yeah, I'd be very excited to see them on a on a bill together. That's uh, they sound. It seems like they should have. Feels like, but well, Jim Peterick has co-written like Jim Peterick has doctored up cheap trick songs. Jim Peterick's just that guy, man. He's been around, yeah. um, and one day he's gonna pass away, and everybody's gonna be talking about him. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of these, like, yeah. It's like, oh, they were actually brilliant because I don't know. I, I I don't hate to say kids today, but I feel like the the looking back on music doesn't come with a lot of the new music anymore. Or maybe they're not looking back at the stuff I did, but like, uh, you know, '90s when I was getting into alternative music and stuff that turned me on to like discovering more Zeppelin doors, like all this stuff that I could tell that was influencing these bands. I went and checked out, checked out the influencers. I don't know if they do that anymore. Well, here's why. And I think, and allow me to defend the young people for a minute. Or I it's think different. I think there, the delivery. I, think, I just think there's too much. Yeah. You have true. too much access to everything. So when you had to, tr- okay, so you're listening to bands in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, I want to check out Led Zeppelin, right? So you yeah. got to go to the record store and you got to decide which Led Zeppelin record you want to get. And you get that one. And 
you're going to fucking make sure that record's good. You're going right. to trick yourself into making sure that record's true, good. True. You're going to listen to that record until you like that fucking record true. because you just dropped $18 at Camelot Music on that record. Right. Well, now, like, and it's great that people aren't as narrow-minded in the 90s. Like, it was nothing to be said. I like country music. I like rock music. I yeah. like rap music. Like, you didn't see a lot of intersection. A little bit. Especially right. when you come into alternative, you saw more an intersection between people who liked hip hop and liked what was coming out of, you know, the the grunge, for lack of a better term, that scene. Yeah. Whereas now, like, if you like a band, you're like, okay, I want to find out who their influences are. You go on Spotify and you're like, well, where do I fucking start? And then you end up listening to the same bullshit that you always listen to. Or there's I no, the there's no problem. journey, there's no journey to find it, and you can just cram it all in a session, and then it just doesn't stick too. There's, so then you don't sit with the album so, cover, yeah. and you don't read all the notes. I mean, on the other hand, on the flip side, like you could sit there and read Wikipedia and get the right. whole band's fucking history. Yeah. Then it also there's no mystery right. about the band. What's anymore. this song about? Oh, there it is. Um, yeah. And you, it's all just right there. It never got to mean anything to you before you found out what it meant to to them. And I, I will, yeah, just defend the kids too. Something like I always say too, like when there's people that would be like, kids just don't learn our history and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, how, wh- how long ago were you in like high school? Oh, like 25 years ago. You realize 25 years of history has happened since then that they have to add oh. to the history books. Like you didn't have, like you're, you're getting mad at them for history you don't have to go learn because you know you lived through it but you're a movie guy like you know how it's it's harder and harder to be a cinephile every year Mm -hmm. because there's more fucking movies you know yeah Yeah. and people are like hey what what do you uh name your top 10 films of all time i'm like you realize i'm 40 years old movies have been around for over 100 years 10's not simple especially when you love them and have you've seen so many that mean so much to you well, then I fall back on just like, I'm like, well, I mean, it's if it, when they put the screws to me, it's yeah. like Star Wars, Boogie Nights, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Like, it's so I, ha- I have the go to's. I have the go to's. But they're very obvious. Like, you know, yeah. Nightmare Elm, I put, I put Nightmare Elm Street up there. Yeah. And I'm a kid at the bar. He was a customer. He was trying to you know, get me talking. And I, 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 he, I took him to task. He goes, what are your you know favorite movies of all time? And I said, no, no. I said, you're smarter than that. Ask me a more distinct, better question, smarter question. Yeah. And he and he sit there. He goes, what are your top five slasher movies of all time? I said, now we're talking. There now you go. Narrowing it down. Now there we have a conversation. Perfect. There's so many movies out there, right? Yes. And asking about your top five albums. I mean, it changes within the week. And music's yeah. the same way with movies where there's just constantly more music being made. But music was better back then. <laughs> <laughs> No argument. Um, but uh, yeah, so, well, that'll that'll do it for this week, Mike. Um, it's a good time. Tell you 38 special. Hope hope you all Everybody go it. check hope them out. Go They're, check out 38 special. That's like a I, for, forgotten big band from back in the day. Yeah, who still goes out, still plays live, still sounds great. Great singing, great playing, great songwriting. Uh, two fucking drummers. How often do you see that? Yeah, that's check crazy. Check it out, guys. Big fan of 38 special. All right. Uh, till your next time here, you got one more left. Um where can people keep up with you this July? Are we in July now? Uh, let's see. You can find me at on Twitter at Mike Vanderbilt. You can find me on Instagram at M.A. Vanderbilt. Don't forget to check out the Halloweenies, Cheap Tracks, Centerfold, Revealing Culture Through Playboy Magazine, and Windy City Double Feature Picture Show. Oh, I, hopefully I haven't started a new podcast in the interim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I need to do that. Um, 
And uh, yeah, that's what I got going on right now. All right. Okay. Uh, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brad4QHD. Work at YSOBlue.com. Scott and I return Monday. We're going to talk some more 82 summer movies here in July. I don't know specifically which ones because I'm not going to dig up and look at the calendar. You'll know for sure because you'll follow me. You'll, you'll know what's up. So uh, check back Monday. Until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. The Summer of 82 at 40 and News of the Moment themes by Press Maxson. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. Mm-hmm.